Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. Today we have a wonderful guest. I've known this guest for years and years. Um, his name is Jeff Boucher, and he owns Manchester Memorial. We're going to talk about trends in memorialization, um, different options for cemetery and how we can memorialize people. Um, at first, when we were sort of going through the questions about this, I said, oh, we're just going to talk about, you know, monuments and how much is the price of a stone. But as we started going through the questions, we had a lot of really interesting ways that people are memorializing. It's pretty incredible to look around the cemetery and see the old mausoleums and, and family stones, but you just don't see a lot of those being built now. People are focusing more on um, even public memorials, like a bench in a park or at the ocean. So there's so many different ways to honor your loved one. It doesn't have to be a grandiose stone in a cemetery. And that's what Jeff really specializes in. And a lot of this, I think, has to do with the, with the increase in cremation, that people aren't maybe burying the cemetery. They may want to memorialize there, but they may have scattered their loved one, or they may keep their loved one at home, but they want to still do some sort of memorialization. So Jeff is going to um, talk to us about all the different options that are available. Jeff, welcome to Dying to Talk. Thank you. Nice to be here. You're quite welcome. We're glad to, glad to have you. So let's talk a little bit, um, or a lot of it, we got for the next 20 minutes or so, um, are there any trends in we know there's trends in cremation we know there's mm -hmm. trends in you know different options for urns and interments what are the trends in the basically the monument business i think the trends in the monument business mirror the trends in society um, you have smaller families you have more mobile families so what happens is people don't buy large family plots at the cemetery anymore um, and what that means monument-wise is monuments have gotten smaller, um, although more, more ornate, people have higher expectations. But generally speaking, you don't see a lot of big monuments being put up. Um, that's probably the biggest trend. Um, the return of ceramic photographs um, has, has sort of taken place over the last 10 years. Uh, it's something very common in Europe, but something that had fallen away here I know we, we used to sell quite a bit of ceramic um, pictures, and then we, mm -hmm. we really have had not a lot of interest, but you're right. I think in the last yep. you know, number of years, we've had people asking about that more, more and more. Part of it, I think, is computerization is, has helped them to uh, make these pictures more affordable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's another trend. Black granite. Everybody loves polished black granite. Um, and etched scenes, these highly intricate... Uh, scenes that are either scratched on by hand or or laser etched and personal um, scenes could be the, oh, the person, person themselves yep. it could be their yes. their summer home it could be a pet I mean yep. we I go running through one of the local cemeteries not every morning but whenever I choose to run when you're feeling so motivated when I'm feeling motivated <laughs> and you know to pass the time I'm looking at all the the different monuments and yeah some of this artwork is absolutely beautiful yes now these are the ones that you can see in in color 
right? And they, they can be colored, color. yes. Although important to note, the color is not permanent. There are no permanent colors yet. So those colors that you see will fade. And do you have mm. they have them redone? Or can be redone. Can redone. Yep, or they can just be allowed to fade and leave sort of a, a just a black and white image uh, when the paint is all gone. But how long does it last? 20 to 30 years, oh, quite wow. a while. Okay, so yeah, long. it's not. <laughs> That'll be another uh, generation that's wearing a paint. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, let's. Talk, you talked about black money. Let's talk about colors for a minute. Mm -hmm. So you, you drive through the cemetery, especially older cemeteries, and you know, I don't know the percentage, but you know, well over 90 percent of the of the the colors of the granite in some of the older cemeteries are all gray, um, mm -hmm. sort of the standard New England gray. Um, but now you look and there's mahogany colors, there's different shades of black, there's red. Where are, there's different quarries, I'm assuming. Where, mm -hmm. where do the different granites come from and what are the sort of the, uh, I'm assuming with anything else, you can upgrade to different colors and there's mm -hmm. different price points. Can you, can you talk through that a little bit? Sure. Um, and the reason you used to pretty much just see gray monuments was transportation. Granite's heavy stuff and moving it around can be expensive. Um, so they used the granite that was closest. Um, and in our case, they used New Hampshire gray granite. Um, today, transportation is, is pretty amazing. They can ship things around the world. And even granite doesn't cost that much to ship. So we get beautiful red and black granites from India. Uh, we get some wonderful pinks from Canada, uh, some browns from, from the Midwest. Um, granites literally from around the world. And yes, different prices, but usually there's a tone for your budget. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's probably the first time I've ever said that, but okay. um, <laughs> that makes sense. But literally, there there really is. I mean, if you're if you're not overly particular about exactly what color you want, there's there's a tone for every budget. Um, now the, the the gray that we're all used to is yes. is, um, is that from mostly New Hampshire or is it the quarry in Barry, Vermont, which obviously is the big. Yep. In, in New England? If you go back a hundred years, that it would be mostly New Hampshire granite. Um, for the last maybe 70, 80 years, it's been Barry Vermont granite, which is a better quality granite. Um, less iron in it, so there's no tendency to rust. Mm. New Hampshire granite has a tendency to rust. Sounds funny, it's not metal, but right. it, there's iron in the stone. And when it, it it's exposed to, to water, it, it rusts, and you get these brown stains right. in your monument. But you can clean that off, can no, you? No, you, you cannot. cannot. This is from within the stone, so it's permanent. Um, so which is why the Barry Vermont granite, which is not too much more expensive, is, is a much better buy. Hmm. Didn't know that. Talking about cleaning stones, I see a lot of mm. stones with discoloration mm -hmm. or moss growing on them. How yes. are you able to clean those without harming the stone? And Newer monuments made out of granite that there's not usually a problem in terms of, of causing any harm. Older monuments made out of marble and slate and limestone, you have to be incredibly careful because those are very soft stones and you need to use proper techniques. No, no harsh chemicals, no aggressive cleaning uh, processes. So there is a way, it's done professionally on the old stones. The newer stones, you can go online and buy some cleaning products that are generally very gentle and user-friendly to the, to the average consumer. Um, so, or you call me, and we go down and we professionally clean. 
but it is something that comes up often. I probably don't have a week go by where someone hasn't called to talk about cleaning. Um, I don't think on the newer monuments, the, the mosses and lichens do much harm, but most people don't like the way they look. Right. What about stones that are damaged? I mean, you can clean a stone, but what about something Repairing. that's broken or toppled over? Or yeah. Toppled is one thing, mm -hmm. because it's not usually that difficult to stand something up, but you've got to figure out why it toppled in the first place. Um, did it topple because someone pushed it over, or did it topple because there wasn't a proper footing underneath it? Um, if it is because of a lack of a good footing, you need to solve that problem first. Damp monuments that have been cracked in half, that's a whole other ball game. Um, we have a, a good friend who has gone down to, I think it's in Virginia, taken a course in monument repairs, has all the necessary products. So when we come across a situation where repairs are needed, we call him and uh, and use his good services. Are you usually able to restore them to a, a point where you would never know that there was damage if for it's, the most part? If it's been cracked in half or in multiple pieces, you're probably going to notice the cracks, but it's going to look pretty good. Yeah. That's have, character. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> now, you, you, you hear about and you see it at cemeteries, no stone rubbings or etchings. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people do that for genealogical purposes. Mm -hmm. Can, and why do some... Some cemeteries say we don't want, is it just sort of the foot traffic? Is it they don't want taking personal information? I think there's probably two issues here. One is liability. They don't want people getting hurt. Um, I, there was a story in last year's news of a little girl. And this was a cemetery in Massachusetts. She had knelt down in front of the monument, and I don't remember if it was her grandparents' monument, um, to, you know, to read the inscription. And when she went to stand up, she grabbed the top of the monument mm. to stand up, and she pulled it over on herself. So cemetery, you know, the, you gotta, they don't want liability. Correct. The other thing, back to the soft stones of yesteryear, um, rubbing them does speed up the erosion process of, of the marble or, or the slate. So they're trying, especially in historical cemeteries, to protect the integrity of those monuments. Now, we talked about granite. I know when I've gone to Europe, and for some strange reason, my wife and I end up touring cemeteries in Europe. <laughs> You're lucky. My <laughs> wife won't let me. A uh, lot of slate, a lot of marble. Do you have requests for people that um, for other, other materials other than granite? We do. Um, unfortunately, many cemeteries today require all monuments, markers, whatever it is, be made of granite. And it goes back to the, the hardness and durability of granite. Um, some of it is weather-related. In the north, we have the freezing and thawing cycles, which speed up the, the, the decomp not decomposition. They speed, it speeds up the, uh, the wearing down of the surfaces of, st of softer stones. Mm -hmm. um, Europe, at least parts of Europe, are, are more temperate and not such an issue. Um, but here, it's got to be granite for the most part. Um, so how about the um, sort of the, the, the nomenclature? You hear people say headstones, footstones. Yes. You see big family, older uh, graves where there's mm -hmm. a big family, but the names are actually on the... Can you sort of address the sort of the different mm -hmm. the naming terminologies over the, over the decades, centuries? Yeah. Yes. Um, some of it, some of the names are just generic. Uh, tombstone, gravestone, monument, memorial, pretty much generic terms. Um, but some of the names actually go to where 
the monument or marker is placed. Headstone goes at the head of the grave. Footstone at the foot of the grave. Um, and beyond that, most of the other names are, are just generic terms for some kind of a, of a cemetery monument. Hmm. Um, my grandfather did not like monuments, and that's why it was Manchester Memorial Company. And, and <laughs> people often ask me, what do you sell? Yeah, Gravestones, yeah. yes. Now, how, speak, how, many, how many years has your, your family been in the, in the memorialization business? Uh, dating back to the early 1900s, my great-grandfather and grandfather worked together in Barrie, Vermont at the quarries. They actually owned a small manufacturing plant. And of course the depression and then World War II had all kinds of effects on, on all kinds of businesses. And they, they had to close. And my grandfather moved to Manchester in 39 and opened uh, what is now Manchester Memorial Company. Similar to my, my great grandfather's story. I'm sure they did business back in the, mm -hmm. in the, back in the 30s. Yes. And, yes. and I'm sure you, your grandfather gave them great deals. This says you give us great deals. <laughs> I hope he did. <laughs> so that, that brings up an interesting point, Jeff, for, with family businesses. I know we see it in the funeral industry where you get some of the smaller mom-and-pop firms. You know, the, the children don't want to go into it. They don't want to go to the schooling for mortuary mm -hmm. science. They don't want to be on call 24-7. Um, so, you know, the family funeral home is sort of going the way of the dinosaur and a lot of the others. Are you seeing the same thing? in Because in, in, in your case, it's not... It's a trade. I mean, you, you also have yep. to learn understanding, Absolutely. you know, the, the you know the etchings, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of craftsmanship yes. involved in in that. So, what's what's the future of, and especially with cremation rates going up? Mm -hmm. um, we talked about families getting smaller, people scattering, people keeping cremated remains at home. Yes. Um, what's what's the future of the the family monument company? Well, there, there's definitely been a contraction in in the monument industry. There are fewer firms, a lot fewer firms than there were. 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, but I think those of us that have survived um, have figured out a way to, to have a product that people are looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still, I think, demographics, and, and you're, you're a good one to know and study demographics, um, they speak well to the future. Um, you know, the, the, the baby boomers are entering that, that time of their life when you know, many of them will choose monuments, some won't. Um, so I think we're good. The other side of that coin, though, the question of where do you find the craftsmen to, take, to do the work, mm -hmm. that's a whole other ballgame. There used to be a trade school up in Barrie, Vermont, that prepared you know, young people for this, and they've closed due to lack of interest. Um, so if it's not passed down, you know, father to children, I, I don't know. And... Maybe part of that is why so much work today is being done overseas, um, where crafts are still very much alive and well. Um, time will tell. So when you when you are purchasing a, a stone, a black stone, say from India, mm -hmm. and it arrives here, it is other obviously it's not installed. Installed here, mm -hmm. you do that, but it's already pre-lettered, pre-etched. Not lettered yet. Not lettered I think yet. Part of that okay. uh, is because of you know language barriers. But uh, any of the intricate work is all done. Okay. Because, and again, they have a tremendous tradition of, of carving overseas and, and do some beautiful work. Um, but we still take care of the actual names and dates here. Okay. You said you're finding ways to keep the business alive as trends are changing. Mm -hmm. um, when I drive down the street, I see granite light posts and mailboxes. Mm -hmm. Are you getting involved in anything like that? Um, 
I have tried not to. Um, <laughs> no bird baths and uh, uh, <laughs> an occasional bird bath. Um, I, I really tried to focus on our core business. Back in the early '80s, we sort of branched out. We were doing countertops. We were trying to get do a little construction. You know where granite was called for in construction. And what I found was it, it took us away from what we what we really do. And so we, you know, for the last 20, 30 years, pretty much just focused on uh, memorial art, monuments for cemeteries, with occasional, you know, we have a few sidelines that we do that fit in well. Are you getting more of a demand for um, people that are cremating and keeping the cremated remains at home or burying the yard? Are you getting calls from, hey, we have my mom buried in the backyard. We want to do a little memorial. We want to do something, a little bench at the yard. Are you, is there increase in demand for that type of memorialization? It sort of brings up two things. To answer the question, yes. Um, we do a lot of memorial benches for people's backyards. Uh, occasionally, we'll do some something like a stepping stone, where we'll just engrave a nice little sentiment, and that'll go, you know, in the garden. But we also get a lot of calls for, "Gee, mom and dad have been sitting on the shelf in my closet for the last eight years, and I think it's time to get them to the cemetery." Um, and they want to know how do we do that? Mm -hmm. And I think hopefully your show here. Um, gets out to enough people to, to sort of address that question and, and um, help help get mom and dad to to a final resting place. Now we've talked about uh, in most cases we've talked about upright stones monuments. How about bronze markers? You see um, in some cemeteries there's sections. Matter of fact, in, if you go out west, there's cemeteries called memorial parks that yes. really don't allow mm -hmm. upright stones at all. Everything has to be bronze. Talk a little bit about. Um, the bronze, I know for, for years they were extremely popular. Now it seems like they've sort of um, mm -hmm. not so much anymore. Uh, one, of the, one of the things with bronze, um, it, bronze is a, is a material, a metal, that's made up something like 85% of copper. And what copper prices have skyrocketed over the last 20 years. Um, and so what was a fairly inexpensive way of memorializing a, a bronze marker is now a very expensive way of memorializing. And I think that was the general appeal 30, 40, 50 years ago. This was inexpensive, but today not so anymore. You can, you can buy a small upright monument for the same price as a bronze marker. Well. Um, so getting to more of the logistics, um, once a family has ordered you know, chosen and ordered their, their stone, their monument, whatever may, the case may be. Who installs these things? We do. You do? Um, granite's pretty heavy stuff, uh, very heavy stuff. You can't buy it online and uh, um, no. put in the back and of that Walmart. truck. And, and, and this <laughs> on goes, eBay. This goes back to Amazon. The, the earlier questions about the future of the business. Because of the, the weight, um, the, the skills necessary to carve and handle, um, I think that speaks well to the, the future of the business. Um, because, yeah, if you don't have a truck and special equipment and special knowledge, you are not going to be able to move this stuff and, and, and install it properly and safely. And you can so, hurt yourself. Oh, you can hurt yourself seriously. An average monument, nothing big, weighs 12 to 1,500 pounds. Wow. So it's heavy stuff. I would assume that cemeteries have regulations against that. You know, uh, yes, most you of them. Some sort of license to do it. Yeah, well, not necessarily license, but you need to be insured. Mm. They, 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 again, liability is a, is a big deal. Jeff, I have one more question yes. before we, um, we have to go to break. 
We talked a few shows ago about the increase in a lot of different cultures coming in. With mm. um, We had one, a gentleman from um, the Bhutanese community coming in a few weeks ago and talk mm-hmm. to us about Bhutanese funerals. We do a lot of Hindu services. How are you... Um, I'm assuming you're not fluent in, in Hindi and... Oh, you don't know uh, me. I don't. <laughs> I, I thought it... So if, if families are asking to put, you know, whether it be Hebrew um, or Hindi or Islamic, how are you getting those types of scripts and lettering on, mm-hmm. on the memorial? It, it is happening. Um, Manchester, you know, our area has changed a lot. Uh, there are a lot of different uh, ethnicities represented here. So it's, 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 it's an issue. Um, Hebrew, we, we resolve by working with the local rabbis, mm-hmm. and they are tremendously helpful uh, in that regard. Um, we did a, a couple of Arabic mar- markers with Arabic uh, this summer. Fortunately, there are some um, keyboards, Arabic keyboards, and they, the family actually can type out and send me how they want the, the alphabet to look, and we'll, we have to hand draw and hand cut. This goes back to the sort of the craft and whatnot, mm-hmm. but... Um, we're able to do that. We've done Greek. We've done Cyrillic. Um, you know, yeah. It's as I said. It's 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 sort of a, a learning curve that that uh, is just started. Great, interesting. Well, thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Very interesting. Thank you for joining us on another informative episode of Dying to Talk. I definitely learned a lot. If our listeners have any questions about funerals or cremations, either in New Hampshire or Vermont. I'm happy to answer them. Just email me at buddy at finef.net. That's buddy at P-H-A-N-E-U-F.net. Or call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode too.